This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. And indeed, we welcome you, Sandy and Sean, on a Tuesday afternoon in the Mile High City. Danilo Pirro has been kind enough to sit in for Sean, who is uh, off today. Hope to have Sean back uh, later on in the week. We are, of course, Mile High Sports, 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD3, milehighsports.com. You can watch or listen to the program, depending on your preference, your inclination for this day. Milehighsports.com to watch, milehighsports.com slash listen. In order to listen, we can also uh, be consumed via the Mile High Sports app. Our executive producer is the great Danny Bailey, and our call or text line, one and the same, 303-831-1340. Today was a day of post-mortems, Nilo Piro, and we will hear from at least George Payton and Sean Payton in this first hour today. Greg Penner also spoke today, but... Really, the two main characters were the two Paytons, the coach and the general manager. And we'll hear in just a few moments some of what the general manager had to say on the quote-unquote renegotiation that took place between George Payton and Russell Wilson's agent, who I believe is Mark Bradley. Am I right about that? Do I have the name right? Uh but in any case, it, the conversation back in October that uh, Coach Sean Payton said weeks ago he was not, quote-unquote, privy to, but that he said at the time George Payton would be glad to talk to you about it. He didn't mention Payton by name, but the people who were involved will be glad to talk to you about it once the season is over, I'm sure. And we'll make our own judgments. You can make yours and react. Uh, via phone call or text to what you think the degree of truth uh, established today was for the level of truth-telling or the level of obfuscation uh, that was involved. Uh, Did George Payton more or less lawyer up? We'll let you make that judgment in a few moments. But it was an interesting post-mortem today because – It involved, uh, for the first time in a few years, a coach who is not on his way out the door. Yeah. As far as we know. And the energy around the press conference was definitely interesting. A little saving of the face. A little bit as well of, hey, like let's let a little of this information out because we know we're not going to talk to the media again until close to the draft. So kind of like the last opportunity to air some of those. Oh, he said February, didn't he? Or what did he say? Sean Payton said February. We're not going to hear a lot of Sean Payton between now and uh, the start of training camp. I don't know know why why February was such a big deal. Um, I guess he may have explained that. Perhaps I forgot what his explanation was, but he, he talked about how within, oh, the next month or so, he might be uh, speaking again. I, I Perhaps about coaching uh, changes, although he didn't give any indication today. Everything was downplayed today. Any, every, every, that, that's the key word. Mm-hmm. Everything was downplayed. It was explained away. It was downplayed. It was rationalized uh, beyond the acknowledgement 
uh, of Sean Payton saying, well, at the end of the year, we were eight and nine. And we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of stating of the obvious. But uh, I, I want you to talk about the energy in the room a little bit more because at least in terms of his response to the questions, there was a lot of great question, which will probably be better than my answer, at least for now. Maybe this isn't the best comparison to make, but it felt a lot like a politician up there at the podium, yeah. like a little filibusting. Yeah. Of, yeah. I, I understand the question. Well, I understand where you're coming amends. from. Right. He's try, trying to make amends for being, let's face it, especially after games this year, Rather short, rather terse, mm-hmm. rather confrontational with the media. Yeah, and I, and I think now that the season is over and he's not going to have the heat of the games week in and week out, you get a little bit more of a relaxed version of Sean Payton. But clearly the energy, I, he, he definitely still gives off that smartest person in the room. And I don't want to say looks down on the media, but definitely sometimes he did acknowledge the good questions, but it's like, Okay, like let's give these guys their chance now, right? I've been hard on them. I've been short on them all season, whatever it might be. And I, I, I think... To the point that we made, a lot of it was downplaying what had happened. A lot of it is wait-and-see approach. A lot of it is let's answer the question so we can move on and, and make these finite decisions. I don't think you were going to get any clickbait out of Sean Payton or George no. Payton today. No. Uh, or did no- we really? Nothing controversial, uh, except uh, I, I was amused that he made reference to uh, even the rather benign comment made back in August to Jared Bell of USA Today, uh, with whom he had a Fascinating conversation, obviously, but the most benign of comments was the one that uh, centered on how upset he would be or torqued off. There's another P word for that. Um, if the Broncos did not make the playoffs, right. it was funny. That was the one he cited and said, well, I was supposed to be off the record. <laughs> Why? A coach saying he hopes his team makes the playoffs and would be upset if they didn't make the playoffs. Why Why would you choose that one? Yeah. Uh, probably clever enough to understand that people would look at it and say, well, that wasn't the thing that most of us remember yeah. that came out of that conversation with USA Today's Jared. But, that, that was easily the least spicy yeah, comment. By far. I think about like by the, far. the Hackett comments and the, the Hackett comments throwing uh, the entire organization under the bus for what happened yeah. last year including ownership and uh, the general manager who is still officially the general manager of the Denver Broncos today uh, for allowing Wilson to have a second floor office in the facility in 2022. That that was the least inflammatory thing he had to say, and that was the one he felt bad about getting out. He said, right. right? Again, the level of credibility there uh, is a little questionable, but I want to go to George Payton here for just a second because this was the question on everybody's mind that went unanswered over the last two weeks and um, I don't know that George Payton lawyered up on this but he didn't exactly deny what was the gist of Russell Wilson's complaint a couple of weeks ago that he was told that a renegotiation of his contract in some form or fashion would be necessary in order for him to keep his job. Now, 
Peyton didn't exactly go that far, but he didn't really deny the parameters of what Wilson described as a conversation regarding renegotiation. Here is George Peyton from earlier today. I appreciate the question, Mike, and I'll address uh, the Russ situation, you know, hopefully one time and, and as thorough as, as possible. Um, you know, during the bye week, I did reach out to, to Russ's agent in a good faith and, and creative attempt uh, to adjust his contract. Uh, we couldn't get a deal done. Uh, we moved on uh, with our season. It, it, didn't, it didn't come up again. Fast forward week 17, Sean makes a change at the quarterback position. Uh, this was a football decision made by Sean, what he thought was in the best interest of the team. This was completely independent of any conversations I had uh, with the agent. Again, it was a football decision uh, made by Sean. Uh, in regards to ne negotiations, you know, I'll just keep the specifics private um, out of respect for, for really everyone involved. Uh, negotiations are hard. You have difficult uh, conversations, tough conversations, and, uh, and you can characterize a negotiation really any way you want. And we always try to handle ourselves professionally and uh, in the best interest of the Broncos, and, and this was no different. When was the last time you heard a sports executive in any sport say, if a player renegotiates, oh, it was all done in good faith, and I was thrilled. You don't I hear that? that? Oh, so, yeah. But he's asking us to accept that this would – he didn't even use, did he use renegotiation or did he say negotiation? It was a good faith negotiation. Negotiate, I believe. Yeah. That's, uh, no, it wasn't. The contract was agreed to 13 months earlier. Right. And that's the problem. I know you guys have talked about it at large on this show. The problem wasn't as much the trade. It was the blind extension before Russell Wilson really even dipped a toe in the pool here in Broncos country. Well, we've talked about it and my position is, is actually, in a manner of speaking, I suppose, a defense of George Payton Interesting. on that point because the mistake was the trade. Ooh, and so you're a trade. Everybody, everybody in the NFC West knew at the time something the Broncos, for some reason, did not know, that Russell Wilson was in decline. Steep decline to the extent we saw in 2022. I don't think anybody anticipated that. But a Russell Wilson in decline since midseason of 2020, every team in the NFC West, yeah. including his own team, knew that he was declining, that his performance was declining. And everybody in the NFC knew that. There were other teams that were said to be interested in Russell Wilson from the National Football Conference. And the idea was that, well, Seattle doesn't want to trade him to an NFC team. No, the NFC teams knew that Russell Wilson was in decline. The Broncos didn't do their homework. That was the mistake. You weren't going to leave him hanging out there without a contract extension in order that he would leave after two years. Yeah, and, and I think... Nobody would have understood that. No, exactly. And, and I think the point to kind of go back to the soundbite from George Payton that I find interesting is how Payton kind of talks about how this decision to bench Russell Wilson later on in the year was a football decision. It had there, there It wasn't necessarily apples to apples. But what was the whole reporting that came out when the decision was made? Contract structure, contract situation, present, you know, protecting their sure, asset, whatever sure, it might be. Sure. That's what I found to be interesting is George Payton essentially disconnecting the two, saying, I went to Russell's camp because we needed to do this for the betterment of the team, and Sean Payton went to Russell Wilson to bench him for the betterment of the team as well. 
he's making it seem like they're not connected, and even though everybody with a brain understands they were. Well, it was connected in the sense, and this is just common sense, and it was suggested we spend hours, if not days, on the subject back in October prior to the trade deadline. The Broncos may have changed course on their attitude regarding trades mm. after the Kansas City game. In fact, it was widely reported uh, nationally, I believe by Jay Glazer of Fox, that on the morning of the Kansas City game, Sean Payne was ready to trade anybody, everybody. By the time the game was over, Sean Payton felt he had turned it around. They had won their last two games. They had broken the streak against the Chiefs. They were three and five. They weren't one and five anymore, that he had turned it around. And all of a sudden, there weren't any trades. What that demonstrates to me, and again, no one out at Dove Valley took any pains to deny anything regarding this scenario. Sean Payton was making the decisions. Either they were going to trade a bunch of people or they weren't going to trade anybody. And that changed from morning to afternoon. Nothing that George Payton did or said changed from morning to afternoon. The head coach is running the show. He made the decision. And he also decided very clearly in the month of October, whether the record was one and five, two and five, or three and five, that Russell Wilson wasn't his guy going forward. Didn't mean he wouldn't start most of the rest of the season but he would not be his guy naturally once he communicates that, which he undoubtedly did to a man he says he speaks to three or four times a day. George Payton communicated that, and George Payton is saying, my goodness, if he gets hurt, we're not only on the hook, we're already on the hook for 2024. Mm -hmm. At that point, we're on the hook for 2025. If he can't pass a physical on the fifth day of the new league year in 2024, we're facing a massive payout for a guy our head coach is telling us after one month of the regular season, essentially, I'll give him six weeks in training camp, okay, to be fair. So maybe about 10 weeks with Russell Wilson in the preseason and up to that point in the regular season, coach doesn't want that quarterback. Right, and one thing we know about Sean Payton is Sean Payton loves him some Sean Payton. And going back to the point that you made about 1-5 and five versus 3-5, and five, yeah, maybe that flip did switch. And I think the other thing, we saw Adam Schefter double down on that and essentially confirm what you just said over the weekend, where it's Sean Payton's world, we're just living in it. Absolutely. George Payton, There's never been any doubt about it right. since the day he took the job. Exactly. And assumed control immediately, if not sooner. And George Payton lost a lot of his credibility as a decision maker within the Broncos organization the moment he made the trade for Russell Wilson and the moment he signed that contract extension, which is, and I'm sure, because think back to before they hired Sean Payton, there was speculation out there, oh, Sean Payton doesn't want to coach Russell Wilson. Sean Payton doesn't want to go to the Broncos. Maybe Sean Payton's looking for the Charger job or some of these other big openings mm-hmm. that were around. But he wasn't offered those jobs. Right. But the believe, only job but, he was offered was this. But believe it or not, it took Sean Payton a little, it's not like Sean Payton and the Broncos were a match made in heaven right away. Yeah, but I, I, I think there were, other reasons for that, and you may very well be right that Russell Wilson was one of the reasons he hesitated. Um, I think the reason that got reported, and it, wa- it wasn't quite right, was that in the first interview, at least, with Sean Payton, there was a bit of a power struggle going on, and 
the reporting suggested that the power struggle involved Sean Payton. He rightly, mm-hmm. in this case, was angry about that because the power struggle did not involve Sean Payton. In the first interview, Sean Payton's sitting there, and he's watching Walton and Penner fight, which I guess they do all the time, right. or at least they did in 2022, all the time. Staff will tell you that. Uh, people connected to the organization, high-ranking executives will tell you that, uh, that they were they were sending out memos every Monday that were completely contradictory. Sounds uh, toxic. So, so Peyton looked at that and said, I don't want any part of this. But then weeks passed, and Peyton wasn't getting offered other jobs. Mm-hmm. The Broncos went back to Jim Harbaugh a second time. The Broncos went back to D'Amico Ryans a second time. Yes, they went back to Sean Peyton yep. a second time. But they went back to two other guys maybe even before they went back to Sean Payton a second time. But anyway, no question, when Payton got the job, they not only paid him handsomely, they were basically paying him to do two jobs. And, yes, George Payton is the kind of manager that someone in New England might have been over the years for Bill Belichick. That's the energy it gives off now. And the interesting thing about that is that Belichick said yesterday – well, maybe I'd be willing to give up some of my executive authority, especially if uh, you were to bring back, oh, Scott Pioli, somebody like that, mm-hmm. or one of the other former Patriot executives who uh, did some legwork for Belichick while he was in uh, charge. Uh, so it's it's a crazy situation. Uh, there, There's one more here from George Payton that I want you to listen to. It's a fairly brief response on whether there is a scenario one can concoct by which Russell Wilson would be back next year as quarterback of the Denver Broncos. The door remains open with Russ. I've had good conversations with Russ. Sean's had good conversations. The door is open. And uh, so we'll just kind of get through the process. Uh, we'll visit as, as, you know, with the coaching staff, scouting staff. We'll visit with Russ and his people, and, and we'll go from there. Hmm. Well, we'll ponder that hmm. and come back and react to it next. We'll also hear from Sean Payton. Uh, Neil Opero sitting in. I'm Sandy Clough. Sean Drotar is off today, and we invite you to stay with us right here on Mile High Sports. Well, I wonder what it's like to be the rainmaker. I wonder what it's like to know that I made the rain. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Sandy Clough, Chandro Tar, and of course, sitting in in the little pero for Sean today. And uh, Sean will be back with us later in the week, but it's a pleasure to have uh, Nilo join yes, sir. our program today. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll react uh, before we get to Sean Payton's comments today at the Bronco post-mortem out of Dove Valley. Uh, we'll get to uh, George Payton's comments on the door being open conceivably for a possible Russell Wilson return in 2024 
which no one believes, but it is in keeping with the idea that the Broncos want to protect themselves from any action that the NFLPA might take. So they're very careful with their language. And they are hardly in a position, given all that's been said up to this point and how little the Broncos have said about it, even today, very carefully worded uh, answers, especially from George Payton on that point. We heard uh, some of those comments a little bit earlier. But on the idea that he could stand up there with a straight face and say, hey, sure, the door is open for further conversations, possibility he could come back. Um, the Broncos already owe him his guaranteed money for next year. That's, right. that's already established. But if they give the appearance of forcing him out, and I still think at some point, and they have until March to decide on this, at some point he will be released. Is there anything in his answer there, brief as it was, to suggest otherwise to you that the most likely plausible scenario is Russell Wilson getting his outright release. No, and and I think the words to your point, Sandy, are a matter of you know maybe saving face and covering some bases or whatnot. But you know I or think covering something else exactly. Actions speak louder than words, and, and you don't go to a, a quote unquote franchise quarterback. And look, I understand maybe he wasn't passing the eye test and wasn't the player that you thought he might be when you when you traded for him. But you don't go to a player that's won a Super Bowl and has been one of the top players in the NFL in recent memory. And, and seemed to be recovering in October right. from a fairly uh, ordinary September right. when it came to uh, performance, a pedestrian performance in September that seemed to get better in October, especially at that point in the wake of wins over Green Bay and Kansas City, which, as we know now, are two playoff teams. Exactly. Those were two good wins. The Broncos went on to beat Buffalo, another playoff team. So not only did they have at that point a three-game winning streak, it would become a four-game streak against Minnesota Correct. and then a five-game streak against Cleveland. Four of the five teams they beat during that winning streak did make the playoffs. And it's one of those... The you Browns made it with a different quarterback than the one who played against the Broncos, but still... He was in the midst at the time of their conversation, which Peyton acknowledged today. It, it, they were in the midst of a good run, and Wilson had two good games. He was a better quarterback than Jordan Love Absolutely. on that Sunday here in Denver back in October, and he was better than a presumably ill Patrick Mahomes the following week. Right, and, and again, you don't make those moves if you're – not at least content with the idea of making this. And we and look, from the moment Sean Payton came into this situation as Broncos head coach, it was clear that he was never completely sold on him and Russell Wilson being his guy. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is, you know, you have to say what you got to say, play the political game publicly. But deep down, Sean Payton, and I think it's blossomed to other people within the organization, have established this principal thought of we're probably moving on from Russell Wilson one way or the other when this season's over. That was the plan. None of this is surprising. I guess the only thing that's surprising about it, Sandy, is the manner in which they went about it, publicly <laughs> humiliating and kind of embarrassing Russell Wilson. Well, they didn't intend it to be public, right. but it became public. Well, what do they expect? I, what do they expect? Exactly. <laughs> now, I thought it was a sign of Wilson's professionalism that he didn't talk about it at the time. Right. People are getting on him now. Well, he, he, he uh, should have kept that private. Well, 
after he got benched, why should he? Right. And hindsight's, why should he? hindsight's always 2020, but think about it. he knew that this situation was playing out when Sean and Payton he screamed played at him. reasonably well. Right. Through that period. Not so much the last what? Three or four games he played weren't as great. But up until that point that he was benched, 26 touchdown passes thrown against eight interceptions. That's pretty good. Now, I understand that th- there is the business of the Broncos averaging five yards per play, which wasn't a lot better with Wilson at quarterback, and that was 25th, I believe, in the NFL mm-hmm. this year. And that's a big stat, and you can't average five yards of play and expect to win more than you lose in the NFL. No, exactly. And and here's the thing is not to defend Sean Payton or defend the Broncos decision. The numbers were the numbers. The numbers were fine. Absolutely. But at what point did you watch this Broncos team even on that win streak? And yes, they were doing some things better than they were previously in the season. Never once where's was there that echo of confidence of that's our guy. That's our leader. Oh, this not is from the guy. Sean Payton, no, wasn't. absolutely that, not a hint. Of it's, it. it's always felt like a broken piece of the puzzle. Like, there's just something about it. The synchronization from player to coach has just not been there, even is, through the winning. Isn't it bizarre, and I know it was two different coaching regimes, that last year, no matter how badly Wilson played, for the most part, and by for the most part, I mean about 99% of the time, Nathaniel Hackett would not criticize him. Right. And this year, when he played better and was clearly in certain situations deserving of praise, he got almost no praise at all except praise of the grudging variety from Sean Payton. Right. Never outward. go. You never saw Sean Payton go out of his way. Russell Wilson was fantastic today. Made this pass, hit this receiver. Love what we've seen from Russ. Won us the game. I don't think I've ever heard that. Was the better quarterback was the best quarterback on the field. He never talked like that. And you say, well, maybe he didn't with Stidham either, but then he kind of did. Then right. he kind of did. Right. He said, well, of all the people you can blame for the last two losses, don't blame him. He played fine. He played great. I don't think I ever. He made good decisions. And we still kept calling timeouts because we couldn't get plays. Mm-hmm. Which even Peyton had to acknowledge today wasn't entirely Russell Wilson's fault. And, Wait, but, but again, that was kind of said in passing. But when still, he talked about uh, needing his eyes tested because uh, there was a time this year where he looked down on his play sheet and called the wrong play. Right, and, and it's nice to see him acknowledge that, even if it's in a little bit of a humorous manner. But like, if you would just take the press conferences and everything, you would think that Russell, re- Russell Wilson was the sole reason why this Denver Broncos team was not winning or winning consistently or why the defense was leaky or whatever it might be. It seemed like the problem with the Denver Broncos in Sean Payton's mind started and ended with Russell Wilson. They gave up 70 points to the Miami Dolphins early in the year, and naturally you're going to have to respond with your defense and your coaches and this and that. But it felt like Russell, even Vance Joseph, maybe got a little bit more love after the fact once they figured that situation out than Russell Wilson ever did. And and, and as we see now in hindsight, rightly so. I, I think that was the best decision that Sean Payton made all year because no one would have blamed him had he fired Vance Joseph after that debacle Nobody. in Miami. Nobody would have blamed he'll, him. He'll stick with, quote-unquote, his guy after giving up a historic 70-point loss. Right. But, you know, Russell Wilson plays, eh, 
and it's bench, it's restructure the contract, it's this and that. The, the leash is much... I mean, there was really no leash with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson would have had to have played perfect football out of the gate in order to win over Sean Payton in any capacity. But Sean what, Payton went into this wanting this to happen. Oh, I... This is all this part of the play. Out. This, this is, is all part man, of the play. And, and this is a man who very much reminds me of uh, uh, someone else from Eastern Illinois who once coached here, Mike Shanahan, mm-hmm. uh, in that he... Uh, Revealed either Sunday after the game, I think it was Sunday after the game, I was going to say either Sunday afternoon or today, that he basically had the offseason mapped out through the middle of June, which is uh, the mandatory minicamp. And then, of course, they take six weeks off and and training camp opens at that point. Yeah, it's but, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this whole situation is handled, and and kind of to bring it back to the press conferences today, Sandy. Like, it, it's very obvious to me that they're saying what needs to be said publicly in order to make the decisions they want to make privately leading up to next season. Good point. No, good. None of this was anything more than talk, 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 talk to lay the foundation. Well, we'll hear some more of that talk from Coach Sean Payton, who uh, was asked today whether this season could be termed after winning three more games than. The Broncos won last year if this season could be termed any kind of success. No, I don't. I have a hard time saying something like that because, um, yeah, I don't. My appetites, I think, where it should be is a little bit stronger. And uh, and I look, I said this at the start of the season and it was really a discussion kind of off the record, but it became I felt like we had a chance, this team had a chance to to get into the postseason. And I feel that, that same way now. So I, I'm disappointed because of that and disappointed that um, I look back on a handful of things I could have done differently and better. And uh, now, make no mistake about it, we finished where our record was. And we could point to a few games that would have gotten us to nine or ten, but we could have pointed to a few games that got us to six real quickly as well. All right, and so that's generally um, that's generally the case each year, and uh, no uh, pass fail success non success. It is what it is. You know, it just leaves uh, you know a taste in your mouth that you you look forward to the work and and you know again the tough thing about it is you don't get to erase it next Sunday. It, you know, here here it is. Um, that's the truth. I actually think, uh, apart from that last line, which seems superfluous, right? But maybe Sean Pate needs, uh, in his own mind, to uh, explain that, that this is really the truth. Uh, I, I was kidding with uh, Danny, and uh, I think you uh, you heard me at the start of the show. It reminds me of the old boxing promoter, Bob Arum, who uh, had an interesting relationship with the truth through the years. Yes. He's a boxing promoter, after all. And at one point he said, well, it was last week that I was lying. This week I'm telling the truth. Right, <laughs> right. Just in case you didn't believe me last week, well, I had to concede last week I was lying, but this week I'm telling the truth. Uh, but I actually liked his answer, and the answer I, uh, part of the answer I liked the most was when he said what I know I've said half a dozen times, a dozen times, comes up every year unfortunately with the Broncos far too often uh, in the last eight years it comes up well our record could have been better if 
not for such and such. And he took the position that you could also, as a corollary, say they were breaks we got in some of our wins that should have been L's, i.e. 12 men on the field in Buffalo. That had nothing to do with the Broncos, and that cost the Bills the game. The Bills beat themselves. Right. So I'm glad he pointed that out. Yes, you can say it could have been 10 and 7 instead of 8 and 9, but you can also say it could have been 6 and 11 instead of 8 and 9. You're exactly right. I thought that was one of the more revealing and truthful, honest things he said over the course of however many minutes he spoke today, 30 minutes, whatever it was. Yeah, not everything was, you know, Swiss cheese where it feels like he could poke a hole through this and poke a hole through that. And, and I do think, you know, we, we talk about Sean Payton as kind of like playing the, the role of emperor or whatever it might be with all of his control and power. But I do think this season humbled him a little bit. I do think he got back in the saddle as a head coach and learned some things. The game's changed. And, and you bring up the point of some of these games. They could have easily lost to Chicago. They could have easily well, they, lost to They were way behind. Right. And, and so, you know, they... And that's really any sport, though, Sandy, especially in football. You win a game or two that you're probably not supposed to, and you lose a game or two that you're probably not that's supposed to. That's why Parcells, um, Sean Payton's mentor, yep. said at the end of a season, not during a season, it gets misquoted a lot, or not properly applied. It's not misquoted, but it's, it, it, people say when they're um, one and five or five and one, well, your record is what he said. He didn't say it. During a season, he said at the end of a season, because somebody asked him that very mm-hmm. question about, well, you could have been two games better. And he was like, yeah, and we could have been two or three games worse, too. You are what your record mm-hmm. at the end of the season says you are. Right. That's what you deserve to be. Exactly. Bottom line, you get some breaks, you win some, you should lose, and you lose some, you should win. But at the end, you're defined by your record. That's all uh, that matters. All right. Here's Peyton, maybe even a little more directly, responding to the question as to how he would evaluate his own performance in 2023. Well, I I said this the other day, and and I just know how my peers and how I looked at it. Everyone would look at it as eight and nine, you know. Um, That's just, that's how we're wired. Um, So... Like specifically, there'd be a number of things that nah, I know better. You know, that kind of thing where, you know, like there's a notepad right now. I think for me, fresh off the season, all right, what are things as we get ready so that this time next year I'm not trying to remember. So there's there's a kind of a notepad I keep just of things that, um, that we'll address or change or do differently um, heading into the season. But we're graded, as head coaches, we're graded on our team's success, as, as we should be. Um, and that means sometimes we're overgraded, and then sometimes we're undergraded. But ultimately, it's about winning. And, um, and that's always been uh, pretty clear and clean and, and actually uh, refreshing. So, um, yeah, the fact that we're having this on Tuesday – Whatever week of January, it's not the right week. <laughs> um, certainly not the right week uh, for us and uh, for when we'd like to be having this meeting. Anilo and I will react to those comments, and we'll hear more from Sean Payton next on salary cap issues that confront the Broncos and what Sean Payton himself can work on. 
during the offseason, given that players are asked all the time, what are you going to work on? Or during training camp, what have you been working on during the offseason? Good question uh, asked by our colleague Scott Hastings uh, from Altitude on that point. And we'll uh, react and do more listening to Sean Payton next here on Mile High Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. All right, before we react to uh, at least some of what Sean Payton has said, and uh, we will hear more from earlier today as the Broncos did their post-mortem out at uh, Dove Valley. Sean Payton spoke, George Payton, general manager, spoke, and... Uh, owner Greg Penner, who is the day-to-day operating owner of the Denver Broncos, uh, also spoke. Uh, but the uh, two main characters were Sean Payton and, of course, uh, George Payton, from whom we heard earlier. Uh, but before we react, uh, we have a text, Danny Bailey. And again, a reminder, you can call or text us at 303-831-1340. Yep, Sandy, this one from Broncos60. He says, Sean Payton is all ego. I wonder if he knows that he was the third choice for Broncos country as head coach. Well, you could argue that, as uh, we mentioned right. earlier on. Uh, the Broncos went back a second time to Jim Harbaugh, who told them, as I suppose only Jim Harbaugh can, to essentially get lost. Yeah. That, that he wasn't even going to engage in conversation. He had already turned them down once. And they went back to D'Amico Ryans, who by that time I'm sure had all but committed to coaching the Houston mm-hmm. Texans, uh, for whom this year he emerged as a Coach of the Year candidate. What a season for D'Amico Ryans and the Houston mm-hmm. Texans. Real quick, not to get off track, do you think Harbaugh's back to the NFL now that he's won at Michigan? I have been told by those who have spoken in the past with Harbaugh that he loves the control he has in college. Mm. And you'll remember in San Francisco, he didn't get fired so much for being a bad coach. He got fired because he lost a power struggle with Trent Baalke, who was the general manager of the 49ers at the time. Now the 49ers have a great collaborative setup that involves, of course, Kyle Shanahan, first and foremost, then John Lynch, but uh, also some reports that John Lynch will be promoted to uh, president of football operations, which could leave the much sought after Adam Peters with a choice to make, stay in San Francisco, get another raise, and they've given him raises in past years, but now they can name him other than assistant general manager. They can now say, Lynch maybe being kicked upstairs that it will be general manager Mm -hmm. Adam Peters and he will be paid accordingly because every time a GM opening in recent years has come up, Adam Peters name has been prominently mentioned. But uh, again, uh, we're talking about a coaching search that 
may have started with Peyton, but continued on to Harbaugh and Ryan's and all three were approached a second time. And Harbaugh had the option of staying at Michigan, which I'm sure he's glad now he did in spite of all the turmoil and controversy, which only seems to egg him on. I, I, I get no sense that he feels anything really regarding (laughs) all the noise around him and the fact that he missed six games this year. uh, I'm sure he's worked that into his evaluation as a positive thing for his team. That one of the reasons they were so gritty and so clearly imbued with a fortitude that no other college team had this year was because they had to do without their head coach for half a dozen right. games. That, that fueled their fight. Including big games down the stretch. Yep. None bigger than Ohio State. Right. So, which they won. So I, I, I've i heard people say he would love to stay in college and has used the NFL to keep Michigan in line. I know they, a few years back, tried to cut his salary, and I think they might have cut. I actually th- I remember I think that, that actually did happen. But – He's used the NFL as a means of keeping Michigan from trying any funny business, just the threat of his leaving. But from all indications, his interviews with NFL teams up to now have been perfunctory, have left teams saying, we don't want to deal with that guy. He is, at best, a quirky personality. And uh, he may be especially with all the stuff going on now in college football, which very few have fully embraced, by the way. Correct. Uh, Except for maybe Jim Harbaugh, who's fine with just about everything, and still, in spite of no rules in place, seems to find a way to violate rules. But I think (laughs) he kind of leans into that sort of thing. It doesn't bother him as long as he has the players, and in college it's a lot easier to have the players than it is in in the NFL. Yes, it is, especially when you're coaching a big-time program like Michigan. Yeah. So, I I mean, but, but then I've heard, you know, he didn't like the way his San Francisco experience turned out, and he'd like another shot. And I noticed his brother was on the sideline at the mm-hmm. game last night, uh, who is uh, perhaps in a similar position going into yeah. the postseason that uh, his I- brother Jim uh, turns out to have been in yeah. going into the postseason. I just think an NFL team is going to throw a stupid amount of money his way, whether it's the oh, Chicago I, I Bears. Oh, I don't think it's about money. He'll no. he'll get he'll get as much money as he he could be coaching in as the, he wants. There's two openings in the Broncos division. Well, but Mark yes, Davis has talked yes, about needing a guy yes, long term. Absolutely, and uh, Mark Davis it would fit in with the uh, Davis family pattern over the years. Mm-hmm. Jim Harbaugh would be their kind of guy, and. The Chargers could do worse than Jim Harbaugh. Right. And have in the past done a lot worse. Um, it's, now, it's I, a, how well he'd get along with uh, Herbert, who's had different coordinators, uh, different head coaches now uh, during his time in Los Angeles. Um, I don't know about that, but I, I, I would think that Harbaugh would recognize right. the talent there and, and probably not feel he has to do very much with. Uh, Justin Herbert, but uh, yeah. it would, it, that's the number one. The two big stories, what's going to happen with Jim Harbaugh, and he hasn't really addressed it, wouldn't after the game last night, 
And two, what's going to happen with Bill Belichick, who has given oh, just the slightest of hints that, hey, if my role were diminished, um, you know, I'd be willing to listen. Well, you know what? That situation with Belichick becomes a whole lot more interesting with the news that Mike Rabel was fired today. Which it does, I found it? to be surprising. Vrabel that obviously was, a Patriot that guy. Was, that was a shocker. Now, the other five coaches uh, this year uh, removed uh, from Josh McDaniels to Frank Reich, uh, Arthur Smith the other day. Uh, who else? Uh, Staley in the Rivera, middle of the year. Staley during the year, like McDaniels right. during the year. Mike uh, Vrabel is. None of those surprised me. Mike Vrabel did. Uh, I know the record's been bad for the last year and a half or so. Who's winning with, Tennessee, with that roster, though? But that roster's I, awful. They're kind of all over the map. They fired the GM during the season last year, and then when they were going well, they fired right. the GM, proceeded to lose their last seven games, which gave the impression that there was a power struggle with right. Brable, and the owner uh, saw that developing and felt she had to pick one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they couldn't coexist, and so she picked Rabel, but then turns around this year, uh, there's a new general manager there now who reportedly does not get along as well with Rabel, and so she picks him, and Rabel goes. Rabel um, is an very, excellent very coach. Rabel will not have to wait very long. He, uh, of the guys with NFL experience that aren't Before in the college realm, he, he's going to be at the top of that list. He's a top three candidate in the coaching pool right now. And I think with Belichick, though, it becomes interesting because if Kraft wants to go after somebody who has a real future and can build something up but has also learned the Patriot way as a player, a lot of interesting thoughts with that. All right, more from Sean Payton now um, as he talks about a very complicated subject, and I'm not sure he provides a whole hell of a lot of clarity on this, but uh, it is a subject that will be very much part of the Bronco offseason story. Salary cap issues. The salary cap, um, those are challenges that every year you're familiar with. Um, I'm familiar with it. Um, and so there still is, a, yeah, I mean, there's, I think, three or four teams in the postseason this year that finished in the bottom four uh, of our league relative to cap issues or dead money. Um, and I'm not suggesting we're going to have either or or one or the other, but um, that's part of the puzzle. Like, that's part of the puzzle. There was a time when the coach at this press conference would say, I'll see you guys after the draft, and he'd head to Palm Springs and come it'd be four new players on the roster. They were the three rookies and one, and it's much different now. Um, it's year to year, and the fortunes can quickly change or quickly go the other way. Um, and so um, it's a new puzzle every year. And, and that's what I began, obviously, to see over time, you know, having done this a while. So, uh, you know, we begin that really in earnest this week. Yeah, um, I, I do get the point about each season involving a different combination of players. It's inevitable. Even the good teams turn over 15 to 20 players. At least, right? At least. It it happens all the time. But 
their salary cap issues are especially pronounced, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> our, our colleague Rich Kurtzman of MileHighSports.com actually has a great story about how they can kind of maneuver this cap situation. But you, you throw that With in. great difficulty. On top of the Russell Wilson situation and all these other players. I mean, it, they're in, it, it's a little bit nightmarish. You know what it resembles a little bit was Sean Payton's last year with New Orleans where they were in just cap, whatever you want to call it. And then, you know, that they've had to work themselves out of that. So they got to work against the dynamics of going on in the locker room with Russ and the players and the receivers. And can they get anything out of Judy and company in addition to trying to get the right players in here working against the cap? This deserves, if not an entire segment, then a large portion of one. Sean Payton asked what he can work on. Mm. Not what the organization or the players need to work on, what he personally needs to work on. Yes, personally and professionally during the upcoming offseason. We'll hear from Peyton next, and we will uh, also be looking back on last night's avalanche game in the next hour, a game called by Coach Jared Bednar, perhaps Colorado's most complete of the season. But uh, coming next, and uh, I believe... Among the sound clips we've heard, at least one was provoked by a question posed by Chris Thomason of the Denver Gazette, who will join us next on Mile High Sports. Destination unknown as we pulling for some gas. Officially placed the poster reveals a smile from the pack. Elephants and acrobats, lion snakes, monkey. Bill speaks righteous, sister Cena says. 